This is the American Landman Podcast show number six. Hey guys, well, welcome back to this week's episode of the American Landman. I am your host, Neil Hogger, and I'm a land specialist with Whitetail Properties Real Estate out of the Holton, Wisconsin area, which is Northwest Wisconsin, kind of near uh, Hudson, Wisconsin, Minneapolis, Minnesota, St. Paul. So if you know the area, that's where I'm located. And I'm in the American Landman Studios. Uh, it's a steel pole barn. And as we speak, Man, it is hot outside. Woo, we've had triple digit uh, temperatures yesterday and then in the finally the weather broke and we're getting pounded by some much needed rain. We're bringing, God's given us some moisture. And so if you hear the pitter patter of uh, rain in the background, I don't know if the microphone is picking it up. That's what's happening because we are getting rained on. But uh, hey, today we got, we got an announcement. We're gonna bring in a great guest and we're gonna talk a lot about buying and selling in, in Buffalo County. But before we do that, I wanna make an announcement and let you know that I am now a uh, seed dealer for Vitalize Seed Company. Um, if you've uh, been around the podcasting world, you might have heard the Habitat podcast with uh, Jared and Al, and uh, they started a seed company called Vitalize Seed. So if you want to look it up, uh, please go to vitalizeseed.com. But um, I decided to get involved in this because, man, I tell you what, I completely buy into everything that they are doing here way before I knew that they were going to form a, a seed company. And Vitalize Seed is a, uh, it's basically a really simple process. Uh, one, uh, what it's about is you have a green seed, a green plant growing on your land year round. That's simple as that. And it has so many benefits. I'm not going to get into it because there's so many and maybe we'll have these guys on and we'll talk about all the benefits, but just suffice to say, very diverse mix. You have green cover on top of your ground year round in the form of growing plants. Uh, roots that are pulling in carbon and pulling in nitrogen and exchanging carbohydrates and just doing all kinds of good things for the soil. And this seed and this blend is aimed towards food plotters, gardeners, even ag producers. So go to vitalizeseed.com. And if you're interested in buying seed, I am a regional distributor in Northwest Wisconsin. You could give me a call. I'll be glad to help you out and set you up with some seeds. And I'm taking pre-orders for seed right now because in the fall, uh, we're going to be doing the carbon uh, load process where we plant fall plots and there'll be very diverse mixes of, of plants. And then in the spring, that sets us up for the nitro boost planting. And then you repeat that process, fall plant, then spring plant, fall plant, then spring plant. And along the way, you're really doing your soil a great deal of benefit. So go to vitalizeseed.com and give me a call if I can help you out with some seed. Well, today we're going to talk to Bob Stahlberger of Whitetail Properties Real Estate. Bob is a fantastic agent in Southeast Minnesota, and he's also one of the earliest agents that came to work for Whitetail Properties. And the guy just kills it, I tell you what, in Southeast uh, Minnesota. He kind of covers an area along the Mississippi River Valley from roughly Rochester, where he deals with you know kind of that high prairie flat farmland all the way down to the uh, southern Minnesota uh, border with Iowa. And so he, down there, he's dealing with kind of that bluff country area, Mississippi Ra River Valley, coolies and big buck territory. And he's just a fantastic guy. The guy kills it. He does very well. He's a fantastic guy. Um, he's QDMA certified level one and level two. He's an accredited land institute certification agent. Um, he's been past uh, 
chapter president for the accredited land institute he's just a wealth of knowledge and we're going to bring him in and we're going to talk about him buying and selling he's bought and sold land in buffalo county through um an auction that I actually hosted. He's bought land out of state in Missouri. He's buying uh, land with an with an investor. A lot of things to learn from him. So let's bring him in. This is Bob Stalgberger of Whitetail Properties Real Estate. All right. Well, welcome to the show. We have uh... <laughs> start. <laughs> I almost forgot your name. We have Bob Stalberger on the line here. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Good meal yourself. Yeah, good. Except for my coffee as it kicked in and the synapses weren't firing there for a second. So we'll just we'll probably tell the editor to leave that in there. That's the first time I forgot somebody's names for a second. But yeah, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's going to be a beautiful day today out there. I'm sure where you're at too. Can't beat a 70 degree day on a Friday and sunny and hardly any wind, huh? Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like outside right now. My office window. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, when we get this thing aired, it's not in August, uh, but uh, the time we're, we're recording this, it's uh, early June. The corn is in the ground and the and the plants are starting to pop. I'm seeing the green tinge, but it was a it was a late planting season, at least over here in Wisconsin. Was it like that for you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I still got some clients I know that are still putting uh, row crops in the ground. Uh, just finishing up, but they're still putting stuff in the ground. And myself plant my backyard soybeans for the food plot uh two days ago i think it was so yeah it's late yeah <laughs> mother nature hasn't been very cooperative so. well nowadays with some of the blends they they can uh you can have short growing seasons and still probably do just fine every year i panic about not getting my seed in the ground and sometime about august it's like a jungle and i i don't know why i worry about it but so well anyways hey uh thanks for guys for checking in and listening if you don't know uh bob stallberger bob stallberger is a good friend of mine he was a very early influence in my career in the land sales business but bob is a uh, land specialist real estate agent in minnesota and uh, he's been working with whitetail properties real estate uh for a number of years i'd say at least probably a decade and we'll have him talk about that a little bit but he is the mirror image as far as territory goes for me so he's kind of on the western side of the uh mississippi river valley and bob does really well but what's really interesting about bob and what we're going to try to get him to open up about is bob has been buying land and uh he recently bought and then sold 231 acres in Buffalo County, Wisconsin. And for those that know Buffalo County, that's a coveted place. So we're going to uh, we're gonna talk about that. But he's also bought out of state, uh, sold that property, and he bought in Minnesota again. So, Bob, you've been really busy. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, I've bought and sold. I think we've got, I think, five different farms now, actually, as we thought about it more. How many? Um, five different farms. That you own now or bought or sold? Bought and sold. All right. Uh, now we just own the one we live on and another one. So, Fantastic. Yeah, I've no, been, been doing this for nine years. Um, as far as buying and selling, uh, first piece I bought was strictly an investment piece. I bought with a uh, client, acquaintance of mine. Uh, we bought, uh, I had a client that needed to sell a piece of property. Um, I had a buyer for him. We were going to parcel it up into three parcels, uh, but they didn't have the timeline to get it done. They needed, they needed funds. Um, and so I brought it to my investor client of mine, and he would actually just purchased another investment piece. So there's a little tight on down payment cash. And so uh, he ended up buying that with me. And uh, we parceled it up and split it after. We parceled it in three spots. We sold one of the pieces off within a couple months of 
closing on it. And uh, I think two months later, we sold off another parcel that left us about 55 acres of tillable. We hands on that for just over a year uh, and sold that. And then I bought 54 acres uh, where we live now, uh, two 27-acre parcels from uh, two cousins, and uh, sold one of those pieces off uh, to a client I was helping find a piece of property to build on. So it kind of picked my neighbor, uh, and we built on another 27 acres. And then probably, it was probably two years ago, I think, a little over two years ago, yeah, two and a half years ago, I think it was, uh, we bought 231 in Buffalo County at an auction. Uh, and that was kind of the spare moment I was coming to the auction just to see the process. Uh, I had an auction coming up myself in a few weeks. And uh, just spare the moment, uh, ended up buying it because I thought it was a good buy. I knew I could uh, do some improvements to it and, and then turn around and sell it at some point. Uh, so I had that one for, I think, four months, four and a half months and sold that. And then here last November, I bought a piece in uh, Mercer County, Missouri, uh, near some good friends of mine and uh, to our agent down there, Stephen Stockman. Uh, so I bought that piece, sight on scene. Uh, that one was something we were going to keep. Uh, hunted for a day and a half last fall for my oldest son. Um, went down there this spring to do some work. Uh, and I had a client who I helped buy a property here about 20 minutes from my house call me and tell me that he was going to probably sell one of the three pieces he bought from me and uh, told him right away I wanted to buy it. So I ended up selling the piece in Missouri, even though I was planning on keeping it because uh, opportunity to have a 95 acres pointed to my house uh, just uh, was a better fit for me and uh, my wife and our kids because they're, uh, our oldest is nine. He'll be hunting this year. He'll turn 10 this year during the firearm season. So um, wanted to be able to get to the farm more often. But every one of those uh, have been bought. You know, for an investment and recreational use. Wow, that's you've been busy. Yeah, <laughs> well, I heard a, I heard a few things in there. I think are worth talking about. I heard investor, and I heard uh, auction, and I heard out of state investment. So let's start with go take us all the way back to the first one where you had an investor. Because what's interesting to me is I've got a couple people in my world that are. I would I would call their they're definitely investors, but they don't buy land, and they've been watching me buy and sell some properties, and they want me to prove my concept, as they say, because it's just really unusual for them. They're more residential, multifamily type investors. But I'm interested to know more about your investor, how you structured the investment, maybe some pitfalls or concerns that you had, any issues along the way. So start with. Who was this guy, and how did you know him? Uh, he was a local uh, attorney. I used quite a bit. Um, him and I had a previous relationship. Uh, I, I hunted with him uh, and his, on his dad's property, at least his dad's farm. And so we we had we've had a relationship. So we've been doing business together for three or four years, and he 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 owns quite a bit of land himself. So he was you know familiar with the the concept of buying and investing in land. And uh, long the long story was that. You know, the client, the seller had called me and wanted to potentially sell. They had offered it to the neighbor at a price, and I told them that that, was, that price was, you know, $100,000 under the market. Uh, and, uh, if, you know, if they wanted to sell it to the neighbor, go ahead. But if they wanted to capitalize on the market, you know, it was worth hundred grand more. And uh, in, in the timeline, they gave the uh, neighbor the opportunity to buy the property uh, one of the sellers actually had a stroke uh, and ended up in, you know, care. You know, it was costly, I think, $9,000 a month care. Um, 
they wanted to see through that process and working with the seller and her son, uh, who had the power of attorney. Um, I had a buyer that wanted to buy a part of the property uh, for a building site. And we had an offer on the table for that, uh, but they wouldn't accept it because they wanted to honor uh, dad's wishes to offer it to the neighbor. And the neighbor kept kind of stringing them along, off wanting less, wanted to pay him less, wanted to then do a contract for deed. And just kept kind of drawn on the process. I think hoping that they were going to get it bought for for less or the way they want it to. And push finally came to shove. Uh, that that investor was interested in buying what the person didn't want uh, for a home site because it was mostly tillable. Uh, but push came to shove. The seller needed to sell, uh, and I said, "Well, you know, they needed funds." They said, "Well, you know, we'd like to close uh, within two weeks. What can we do?" And I said, "Well, we will give it two months." We can get it all surveyed, put off, and I already got you know part of it sold off at 100 grand for a building site. You could just simply go through the process, get it surveyed, and in two months uh, we could have it have 100 grand in your pocket and still own the rest of the property itself. Uh, they just did not want to do that, um, so I said, "Well, I can call my investor guy because the folks that wanted the 10 acre building site couldn't afford to buy the whole farm. Uh, they could afford the building site, so I called called my investor and just said, "Hey, you're you're always looking for a good deal, you know." Here's a, here's a great deal, uh, but they need to close fast. That, that's the stipulation. They got to close fast. And I said, I'll be honest with you. I'll give you about four hours to think about it. And then at that point, I'm going to buy it if you don't want to. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, he's just like, well, I, I just bought I just bought a part, an apartment complex. He's like, so I'm a little tight on cash down payment. He's like, why don't we go on it, get on it together? So I'm like, that's fine, but know that I'm buying it to sell it. I'm not keeping it. It's not a long-term hold for me. We had actually back up a step, I guess. The first piece we bought was the, the 54 acres, probably two months prior to that. We had closed on the 54 acres that we ended up building on half of. So I myself didn't have, I had enough cash to buy in knowing that I was going to sell it, uh, but didn't have a ton of extra cash laying around, <laughs> if you will, because we were going to build a house. Um, so we uh, we bought that. We quickly, I called my clients to make sure they still wanted to buy it, they buy it from me. Uh, so we put that under contract the day after we put, uh, the purchase agreement together to actually buy the, the, the 80 acres. That 80 acres uh, we bought and closed on in a week. I think it was actually like six days. Wow, that's so, fast. Those, those, yeah, those sellers were, you know, they were extremely happy, right? Um, and I don't make a habit of buying properties in my territory, uh, quite honestly, uh, because I don't like to mix that, mix that because my goal is to always tell my clients for the highest value, right? And, uh, I think there could be some mingling in there that could be contradicting to some. Uh, so I always spell it out. So when we did that purchase agreement, I actually had the seller sign off that they understood that I was going to be buying this for for uh, investment to make a profit, and that there's a substantial amount of money that could be made around the hundred thousand dollars. So that to cover my own purposes, uh, that uh, should some ever come back, that they understood that that's what my goal was with the property. Mm. Um, because I, I just don't want to have that um, uh, reputation of people thinking that you're telling them a low number to buy it themselves and, and sell. Yeah. That's not, that, not the reputation I'm uh, here to have. That right? makes a lot of sense, but here's, let, let me, let's, let's talk about that a little bit because when you're an investor or you're going to invest, I mean, one of the cardinal sins is to not understand your market. And so here you are with a guy and you're partnering with an investor. So maybe you have even some duty to him when you bring him these deals that 
if you don't buy in your market where you really understand, are you doing the best job you can for somebody? Or are you kind of guessing? So while I understand what you're saying, it seems like, well, okay, Bob, I'm, you know, you put yourself into a opportunity by getting licensed and working very hard and knowing the, the environment. And you, you know, you communicated to your sellers very clearly. Are you, I mean, who are you concerned about people that don't know the details of it, I guess, is that, that who you're concerned of offending? No, I, I my own personal liability as a real estate agent, because you are, you are held at a higher level than any other, uh, my investor isn't held at any different level uh, than uh, any other person that is not licensed. As a licensee, we are held at a higher uh, level of duty, right? Because uh, you know, a seller called me to sell their property, so I'm working in their best interest, not my best interest at that point. And so, to CYA, if you will, yeah, uh, I put it in writing. A state of Minnesota requires anytime you're dealing with the sale of a real piece of real estate that you indicate on there that the you know, the other party knows that you're a licensed real estate agent because we are to be in the know, if you will, and yep. know more than the average typical person. So uh, it's more more of a CYA to make sure they understood what I was going to do with the property. So not a year later uh, that they had a claim or concern or one of their family members or heirs thought someone was taken advantage of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is my concern. Uh, I have no problem making an investment that I know is going to work out long term. Uh, I mean, the Buffalo County piece, right? It, it was an auction, so the seller had the opportunity to accept my bid or not. That was a high offer, and uh, that's not my territory. Right. Um, so I didn't advise anybody what the property was worth or anything like that. Right. Uh, so uh, I, that that's always my concern. So when I'm working for an investor, yeah, I'll tell them if I think it's a good buy or not a good buy. If I'm, you know, if, 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 depending on the situation, right? So obviously it's a dual agency situation. You can't do that. You got to advise them what the price is. You can advise them what the market's bearing and compare a comp and they got to make an educated decision. Yeah. Right. But if you're investing for yourself um, and it's in your territory and you're the one working with the seller, it's one thing if you invest in a property that is not in your listing, right? You're not the one uh, telling the seller what the market value is. If the seller says, hey, I want X, and you tell them, well, no, actually the market's about $50,000 more than that. Uh, if you don't tell them that and you decide to buy it, to me, that's on the ethical side because you, you, I know the market. So if I know the market's 50 grand more, I need to tell them that. But if they're willing to sell it to me for 50 grand less, perfect. That's great as long as we have that understanding of where I think the market is and they're going to sign off that they understand that's what I'm telling them, but they want to sell it. Great. Otherwise, I feel like I'm doing something unethical. If they tell me, "Hey, I want a hundred grand," and I know darn well the property's worth 150, and I don't share that with them, I'm not doing my duty to the client. Right. Do you think it'd be so, advantage to not have a real estate license, um, or a disadvantage because you're not getting these deals? They're not coming to you. Yeah, I mean, being in the I want to say game because I don't call it a game, uh, but being in the know and working with somebody. Uh, obviously, if you're an agent. You'd have a good understanding of what, A, people are willing to pay for a property, what the demand is out there for certain types of properties. Uh, so, obviously, touching things every day and being in the business is an advantage, right? I mean, the Buffalo County piece I bought at the auction, right? Sight on scene other than a picture on a map, right? I never stepped foot on it when I when I bid on it. But that's because I was, I'm in the business and I understand what the market is roughly in Buffalo County, right? 
um, not to a T because I don't spend much time over there, but I knew at my offer, my high bid, that I was very comfortable with what I paid for it. Um, so knowing that, you know, if I were to walk into, you know, Louisiana or Oklahoma to go bid on a property auction, I wouldn't feel comfortable without having an agent there to advise me, even though I'm an agent, because that's, that's not, that's too far from home for me to know that market well, to know if I'm overpaying or not. Right. So, um, I don't think it's necessarily in a disadvantage to be a licensed agent. I mean, obviously, uh, especially if you're buying something that's not your listing, right? If you know, uh, I don't care if it's a, you know, rental home or a condo or a piece of land, if you, if that's what you work with every day, um, and know the market and it's, you know, not your listing by all means, you don't need to share with the seller that you think the market's worth more or that's going to be good cash flow for a rental property, uh, because it's not your client. You just need to disclose that you're a real estate agent. Uh, and, you know, that's the biggest thing. So, um, obviously the advantage of being a real estate agent when it comes to that, it's huge. It's just, uh, the difference between, uh, if, you know, the seller's calling you, right? Um, you may not have that advantage of, uh, in my opinion, you know, step forward because you should be telling them exactly what the property is worth. Yeah. Versus if, yeah. They tell, if they tell you they want less than what the property is worth, it's your duty to provide them with the correct knowledge of know what's actually worth more. Now, I can tell you in nine years uh, of doing this, it's extremely rare. Typically, uh, the number is normally higher than what the market, what we actually think the market yeah, is. Yeah, right. Um, pretty, pretty rare for someone to tell me they think it's worth less, but it does happen. I know there's different territories <laughs> and different areas uh, throughout the country and states that we're in that uh, it does happen in certain areas, right? Uh, in my territory in Southeast Minnesota, it's just extremely rare to have the client tell me they want less than I think it's worth. Uh, so, well, you <laughs> know, I I had seen, point. I had read somewhere. Um, some uh, statistics that talked about how the number of real estate agents that are in the U S and how many actually invest. And it's extremely low. And to me, it's amazing that that doesn't happen more. Um, the ethics will t- I want to talk about that a little bit in the process that I've employed and you're probably doing something very similar, but to me, the idea of not having accumulated, I'm, I'm about seven years of, actual license experience, but I'm 20 plus years of buyer investor knowledge, and I've got a heck of a network. And to me, to not utilize that network and knowledge base to benefit myself and my family in an ethical manner, of course, which we'll talk about is crazy. And I, I have, you know, I'm just kind of, I kind of laid a trap for you just a little bit to see how you would respond. I think you did a great job. Um, but I've had people say, oh, well, you're a real estate agent. Is that okay that you invest? I said, well, why not? I mean, is that a stockbroker? Do they not buy uh, stocks? Does a classic car dealership not buy classic cars and keep some? Yes, they do. (laughs) Every one of them. They put their knowledge to work. Now, the ethics is obviously important and so what I started doing when I when I started buying and selling property, I actually called a couple guys in the industry and I said, "What do you do?" And I remember talking to uh, an agent in um, in Missouri, Jeff Probst, and I he says, "Well, yeah, I, I bought I bought properties from my clients, and usually they they have a motivation. They it's usually they either don't care about the property or they just want to be done with it or they just want to be done with it quick." 
And he says, I flat out tell him that I'm interested if you want to sell it to me and I'll make it quick and easy. And in his case, and in my case, I was cash offer on both of them. Um, and they were mentally not in, invested in the property more. And we talked about it. And what I did, I took Jeff's lead. I said, all right, here's the market. Um, I'm showing them data. I'm showing them MLS. I'm showing them land sales bulletin. I have some other software that I know that you have as well. And I said, here's, here's the market. Now this property that I'm in particular thinking out of was a, um, an estate sale where a representative had the property and she, in her own words says, I'd like this gone yesterday. I don't have the time for this. I, I need the money for some reasons um, that I won't go into uh, to help care for family. And I said, all right, well, here's the market and this is a nice looking property. And if you sell it, if you just walk away from it and don't touch it, I'll get this for it. Or option two, if you come in and clean it up and remove all this junk and mow it and trim it and paint it and do all these things, um, I could get this for it, um, but it'll require some work. And finally, it has the opportunity to be split multiple ways because the one I'm thinking of had like six PID numbers. And while there was a 60 acre parcel that would sell at you know $3,200 an acre, let's say, the parcels individually, 10 acres, would sell more as a, a lot, a building lot. And the cost per acre for a building lot might've been 80,000 versus that's 8,000 bucks an acre versus 32 to $3,500 an acre for raw land. So there was an advantage to subdivide it and go through the effort of selling individually. But then, as you said earlier, one sold quick and then the other one sold in a year. And so your holding time was longer. So I just advised my sellers, made sure I documented it and had you know really good, frank discussions in person. And then when I let them choose their option, I said, okay, here's a fourth option. I'd be willing to, I'm interested in this property if you would want to put it on the market or before you put it on market, sell it to me. And I'm just a private buyer and I worked it out with my broker um, and we bought it. And then I ended up fixing it up and doing all the things that I said I was going to do to it that she could do if she opted to, but she opted not to. So then I put it back on the market uh, and I listed through Whitetail Properties Real Estate, and that's what I did. I mean, do you see conflict there? No, no. I think it's obviously when, when, when the seller or the client approaches you to sell the property and it's your territory, the biggest thing is just tracking it and explaining to them all their options. If it's something that you want to invest in, right? No, no different from the 95 acres I just bought, right? Uh, the client called me. Uh, you know, I helped him buy it. And when he called to tell me that he might sell it, I said, yeah, I want to buy it. You know, he said, well, would you, what will you want to pay for it? And I made him offer, and uh, it was more than he paid for it uh, nine months before. Right. Yeah. Well, that's. Yeah, I knew what he paid for it nine months ago because I helped him. <laughs> you know. There's definitely the stigma around real estate agents that do what you do and what I'm doing, and I, I don't I don't know if it's more that they're a little jealousy, maybe if I don't know if that's the right word, but envy that some of the smart realtors that are that are investors or I've found investors that form these partnerships, they tend to do really well in land. I mean, which is exactly why they, usually the people that have the negative feelings probably want, they want the same thing. They want to get into it. I don't know if they want to get into that business as well. So I don't know. They, they, they want to buy land and they kind of envy you because you are doing it. And then they see your advantage as, somehow a negative thing. I don't know. 
I've heard it a lot. Yeah, so. I mean, I guess I wouldn't call myself a little, I mean, yes, I invest in land, uh, but that's not my day-to-day. My day-to-day is yeah. selling land, right? And so, you know, nine years. So if you think about that as an investor, nine years I've purchased uh, five properties and sold four. Uh, the, the one I just purchased, right? Uh, that, that is not, that is an investment piece. That is not a, that is not a buy and sell. So I've only bought and sold on purpose, planned investment, uh, buy and sell two properties in the Buffalo County piece and the 80 acres here in Minnesota. Uh, the place uh, where I live, the 227 acre track, you know, we had planned, we bought both because they'd only sell it that way. And just, uh, dumb luck to have it timing wise. I, I wanted to, we wanted to build uh, sooner than later and I wanted the land paid for uh, and knew the 54 acres and whole wasn't my dream hunting property by any means. It was a nice, a nice piece of ground, but it's, it's not my dream hunting piece. Uh, so just for purposes of uh, finances, we sold other piece. So I was never a buy and sell plan. Uh, but so that's why, you know, I referenced that, right? Uh, then nine years. So actually buy and sell property. Uh, on purpose, if you will, for strictly the purpose of investing uh, two properties in nine years. So it's not a lot, right? Uh, but I've done pretty well on those properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've made me some money. Um, and so now, because I'm not out there every day trying to find a deal. Now, have I, I've helped several people that have bought pieces uh, and then three or four years later, they've done a bunch of work and have asked me to sell them and made them money, made them good money. Uh, um, so there are out there no, I would also say the fact that they all, all took risk at the time of purchase, right? They were still paying good money for them. The, the market had, has just uh, gone up and increased, you know, and so it's allowed them to make a good, good profit. So typically lands out of quick buy and sell flip, typically without doing work to something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So what is an investor? Well, I don't know. And, and I, I consider you an investor. Maybe maybe you're not setting out to you're not buying them and developing them and putting infrastructure yeah, I mean, if, in if it. If you right? call me tomorrow and told me you had a piece of Buffalo or Temple County, right. you know, at four thousand dollars an acre, and I looked at the map and saw what it looked like and knew it was fifty five hundred dollar acre ground. Right. Your seller wants to buy it. it. Yeah, I'll close up. I can close in two weeks. Right. You know, I have I have a relationship, you know, with uh, a banker that I do all my deals with. Right. As far as my me personally, my wife and I. So. I know if I need cash, I mean, that auction I bought, right? Buffalo County, I hadn't had any conversation with my banker uh, that day, right? And I left the auction and called and said, hey, I need $625,000 in 30 days. Yeah. So what did you buy? You know, uh, and make sure it got done, right? So I know uh, I have that relationship that, you know, I have you know, home and equity line credit that you know, I've got a couple hundred thousand dollars I can pull quickly. You know, depending on the size of the property purchase, and that boom, I can take cash offer and buy something uh, quickly uh, if need be, right? Uh, so it's not that I'm out there actively looking, but if someone comes to me or someone tells me, "Hey, I got one that's coming up," or "I got a good deal," or "Hey, there's a good deal over here," I mean, you and I've talked over the years, right? We're at the Wisconsin Park uh, Hunting Show, right? Hey, you get something that's a good deal. You see something, call me. I'm, I'm a buyer if it's a good deal. Well, I'm not out actively searching, but if someone calls me and I know the market is a good deal. I'll buy it, but it's, it's a buy and sell then, right? I might make some improvements to it uh, and hold it for a year or two and then sell it. You know, that, that Buffalo County piece, I hunted that, that thing, I think, three or four days. Uh, I had the bulldozer in there. We did added some trails network through it. We've added a couple banks lines on it. Uh, and I was 
busy chasing a pretty good deer in Minnesota, so I really didn't hunt it that much. Uh, but my, you know, I let my brother-in-law, he, my brother-in-law and my niece hunt the heck out of it. Uh, it's just three months of hunting season I had it, and uh, I had a great time on it. So we're gonna, uh, we are gonna dive dive into that. But before we get there, I'm I'm holding that uh, that little uh, suite out there in front of you to make you drool a little bit for the listeners because. We're going to talk about how Bob bought 230 acres, but this whole thought, you know, this, but I, I want to stick with this investing uh, thing that we're talking about because I, I was interviewing a guy uh, a couple days ago and I, I sense he kind of corrected me a few times when I was kind of, you know, talking about the money side of this. And it's, it's almost like there's a stigma, you know, we buy land because we buy land because we love land. I love the trees. I like the asset class. I like everything about it. I like walking out there on a day today. I'm heading to a property that I'm buying right now that I bought and I'm fixing it. And I spent all day yesterday with a guy in a skid steer opening up trails and the amazement of the transformation of what we did to that property is what really, really got me jazzed. I just like this. I could, I could put my money in the stock market, but it's just not the same. I can't touch these companies and I have money in the stock market. I could buy residential properties and I do, and I have them, but it's just not the same. I like the land, but it's only one of my asset classes. But there was, he corrected me. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to sell this. This is not, you know, this isn't an investment. I said, well, are you hoping to lose money on it? Is that what your plan is? No, no, I'm going to fix it up. It's definitely going to be, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to take my children out there. And I said, yeah, that's great. But you're going to sell it for a profit someday, right? If you won't, they will, you hope. Isn't that the plan? Oh, absolutely. I said, all right. And it was almost like there was this like, I'm not in this for money. And that was a negative thing. I look at it quite the opposite. I look at how these land investments help me achieve my life goals, which is financial security. And along the way, I have a hell of a good time getting dirty and planting. I mean, are you looking at it like that? 100%, right? I felt, you know, I've got... I got some friends that don't deer hunt, uh, life, lifelong friends, right? And when I talk about selling land from 3000 to $5,000 an acre for hunting, and I meet clients, you know, that are farmers uh, weekly, right? That you tell them what their hunting land's worth, that is, to them is wasteland because they don't hunt, right? And like, how can someone pay that kind of money? Uh, and I said, well, you know, I meet people all the time that paid $300, $400, $500 an acre for that ground 10, 20 years ago, and now they're selling it. They made memories on it for the last 20 years or 30 years, hunting, enjoying that with their family and friends, and now we're selling it as an investment. And, you know, that's part of their retirement plan. Um, so to me, um, it, it's definitely an investment, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's a great asset class. Now, uh, I don't know if land should be your only investment, right? I mean, any smart financial advisor will tell you that uh, you should have different asset classes just just to uh, you know balance yourself out. Right. But uh, I'm, I'm with you, right? I mean, the 95 acres I bought it has a lot of cleanup. I spent I don't know five or six Saturdays uh, pulling fences, cleaning up junk, garbage, you name it, uh, with my kids and my wife, and I, I thoroughly enjoy it. But don't get me wrong. I bought it as an investment as well. I don't have any plans to sell it in the near future. You now, someone wanted to offer me double my money tomorrow. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Every, everything's for sale, uh, in my opinion. Uh, everything's for sale. Uh, but it just might not be super cheap. <laughs> uh, but obviously, my goal someday is it'll be handed down to my kids. 
right? They'll get a stepped up basis uh, upon my death and it'll be handed to my kids. And hopefully that's someday that uh, either they'll, they'll hand it down themselves or they'll use it to sell and, and uh, grow their, their wealth and uh, pass it down to the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. My, my goal right now is I am buying and selling and I'm just using the, the proceeds uh, from, you mentioned a home equity line of credit. And for those that don't know what that is, it's basically you have an asset and it has equity and you went to a bank and they basically gave you a checkbook so you could draw against that equity that is there. And it's at very low uh, interest rate in my, my, uh, my position, actually. Um, there, I pay nothing until a quarterly payment comes up. So if I could buy and sell something very quickly, I could just access that money and put it back in and I don't pay any interest hardly on it. Otherwise, I pay a small interest uh, uh, payment. And it, but it's my seed money. So that's how Bob sounds like you did. And that's what I do as well. But now you can be reactive and you can get in and, and buy a property quick. But, but yeah, you know, so you, you're an investor. It's just that everybody has their timelines and, and some are shorter than others. And I just, I guess my point of that, it was, I, I don't know, I don't feel bad because I've educated myself and I'm taking advantage of my knowledge and putting myself into a position. But all along the way, I'm doing it in an ethical manner, and that's that's just how you do it. I don't think it has to be a negative thing, but it can really help you. So, all right, let's move on to this, uh, the big carrot, 230 acres in Buffalo County. I mean, it, it, everybody, probably everybody that's listening to this knows Buffalo County. It's ground zero for Boone and Crockett deer. It's, it's great farmland. And... Um, I was involved in this a little bit. I had no idea Bob was going to buy this, but Bob, do you want to set up the story of how this all came along or do you want me to set it up and then you jump in? Uh, you can set it up. All right. Yeah. So we're going to change the names to protect the innocent. We're not going to talk specifics, but uh, I had a call from a uh, seller that said we want to sell our farm and it had been listed as I recall, and um, it wasn't moving and we went in and we assessed the property and I have a couple different tools and my own experience, but I have a number of different tools that I can determine what the market is. So as usual, I sat in their home and I said, all right, well, here's the market and uh, here's here's the the price per acre. And and I got to know them a little bit. And in this case, you know, when you're looking for property, I would say in any investment, um, especially real estate, many people have motivations to sell. They're not always negative. Sometimes they're just, we want to get rid of it. And that's my motivation. Others are, I don't have the time or the energy to do what needs to be done with this. And therefore I realize there's work to be done here before it's full price value. And I know what you're showing me as the market, but my property is not worth that because of old fences or garbage and buildings and barns and silos or erosion. I mean, any number of things that make that devalue a property. And uh, so I went through the process with these folks and I, I think I had it on the market as I recall for a while and we just weren't getting, we weren't getting um, uh, takers. There just so happened that there was some dynamics with the neighbors as well. And I don't think that was helping us uh, and I'm not going to dig deep into it, but there was some dynamics between the neighbors that were, that really kind of soured that that area against that seller and nobody was buying it. So the buyer had to come from outside of the area that just didn't have the emotional investment in, in the negative funk that was circling this farm. So I approached him and I said, here's an opportunity. Whitetail properties has a, um, uh, an auction division. 
And we will get you national, if not even international exposure, because we do some fantastic online marketing. And the advantage is that, you know, we're going to expose your property to people that have never been to Buffalo County or maybe they're next door. Who knows? And we'll find them as well. But we're going to get you a really broad appeal. We could sell this price and we'll get a top dollar that the market will bring that day. You'll get your money very quickly and it'll solve a lot of the problems that you're telling me you're having without getting in a lot of details. And they said, all right, let's do it. So I hired Whitetail Properties Real Estate, uh, Ranch and Farm Auction Services, and they did an assessment. We started marketing and we set our date for for um, auction. And I think it was one of the very first auctions that I ever did. So we're at the uh, local uh, gathering place. I won't give you a lot of details there either. And, and all these buyers start lining up and the auctioneer starts with his, you know, a hundred thousand, you know, he starts doing his thing. And all of a sudden I look over and I see Bob given that, you know, that, that auction kind of like, it's just, it's not like really obvious, kind of like a nod <laughs> and they point to you. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. And you weren't there in your uniform with whitetail. You just had walked in and sat down. I don't think I even knew you were showing up. Right. <laughs> so you take it from there. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, uh, I had an auction coming up two weeks after yours. And so myself and uh, Bryce McVicker, uh, who handles Southwest Minnesota, who is an auctioneer, was coming. He was going to come be a ringer uh, for Cody, who was doing the actual calling. The ringer's and, the guy uh, that points to the guy and walks over to a bidder. Yeah, he, yeah he's the one who's walking around trying to get the crowd involved and, and calling out bids uh, to the auctioneer and stuff. And so uh, Bryce came over and you know said, do you want a bidder number? And I thought, well, gosh. If I'm here, I might as well have one, right? <laughs> uh, kind of as a joke, I took a picture and sent it to my wife. And uh, when the bidding started, you know, uh, I clearly could tell, you know, I looked at the map, the brochure that we had, and, you know, that's literally the amount of time I spent on it. Looking at the map, uh, I did hop online uh, before the auction started, just a little bit familiar familiarize myself right. with the property, but obviously it hadn't set foot on it at all. And uh, so I took a bidder number and the bidding started. Uh, as you know, we have uh, in-person bidding as well as online uh, bidding. So, and on the phone. So, uh, the only person I think we had a couple, one or two people in the crowd. I think to start with, and then it was bidding online. And I clearly could tell the bidding was not going high enough. Uh, so, I thought to myself, "Well, gosh, at that price, I'm a buyer." Uh, so I started bidding, and uh, I texted my wife that I think we were to buy the farm, and she thought it was just kind of <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. And uh, so it was a two-parcel uh, auction, right? It was, it was offered in two parcels. And so uh, I bought the one I thought was going to be the best hunting piece first, um, or a high bidder, I guess, if you will. And then they restarted over. Uh, we get a choice. I could have chose all, both parcels um, or, or just one. And so I picked the, the one parcel I was most interested in. And... Uh, because I had the least amount of tillable, but the best, what I thought was probably the best hunting. And um, so then we started up again, and I ended up being a high bidder on that very quickly. And again, the only person bidding against me at that time was online. Um, but then what they did was they combined it, right? And then they combined the two and sold it as a whole. And that's where the bidding really got serious. I, I firmly believe, looking back, was uh, that bidder knew that there, he really wanted to bid on, on the whole thing. Uh, the online bid or whoever it was, 
uh, wanted the whole thing. Uh, and so he quit bidding on the second one, just knowing that it doesn't matter. He was going to bid on the whole thing. Yeah. He was going to bid on the whole thing. So uh, that's when the bidding really got started, I guess. So, <laughs> let, so let me jump in. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the background, you know, I'm standing back in the corner. I'm just kind of watching the process and, and, uh, it was, it was started, it started off slow. We built a little momentum and there, I don't know that anybody in the room actually made a, an offer as I recall. Um, but somebody online, so we have, uh, Joe Gizdig is there and, and, um, Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie and, and they got the computer and I see him, you know, throwing up a bid and the guy, you know, Oh, you know, whatever price, you know? And, and then all of a sudden I look back and he's talking, I see Bob nod his head again or raise his hand real quick. And I'm like, Oh, Bob must have a online bidder as well. Because we, we can, as agents, we could register a buyer and we could just be communicating. When I saw you had your phone and, and I kind of walked over your shoulder. I don't know if you noticed this, but I kind of looked down and I couldn't see anybody's name. And I was like, who's he bidding for? You know? And, uh, yeah, all of a sudden Bob is bidding and you won. Yeah. And I remember I walked up to you and I said, Oh, Hey, that's cool. Who are you bidding for? And he's like, Oh, me, I just bought it. I'm like, what? <laughs> Cause now, you know, going back, uh, you know, a week or so before that, or even months before that, Bob and I had talked about Buffalo County and, you know, hey, I'm looking for a lease and, you know, what, what's property selling for? And, you know, he was always just being aware of the market value. So he had a ballpark idea. And so I, but I had no idea. I had no idea whatsoever that you were interested. And I, I don't even know if you had any idea when you came there. No, I, I, I had no plans that day to buy a farm. Zero. Not, not one. I was literally coming to look, watch the auction process so that I could critique it and uh, know what to do in two weeks when my auction was coming up uh, and what to either approve on or do different. Or, so you, know, you were there to all, learn all the process things. more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. I was there to learn, but I thought, well, I'm here. Uh, and obviously when the bidding started, it was off and slow and it started online and only else bidding. I wasn't, wasn't going to not bid at that point in time. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, you know, no difference if that auction had happened in Houston County and I knew what the land value was, but I was there just to watch you realize it was going to be too low is what I thought I could sell it for. I'm going to bid. I'm going to buy it. So you hadn't uh, even so been on this land yet, had you? Nope. Right. I literally just looked at the brochure at the auction that day. So you bought this uh, sight unseen with a couple maps. You, yep. Weren't you concerned that you're, you're buying something that could be terrible? No, I mean, obviously, right. I saw the brochure. I saw, you know, I hopped on our website quick, watched the videos of the auction site. And yeah. Videos and stuff and photos. So I had an idea what I was buying. And, you know, had that number been 750000 yeah, I probably would have been a little more concerned that we were getting up there. Uh, but uh, I felt very comfortable uh, based on the amount of tillable. You know, it was 230 acres, 123 acres tillable, right? So I, I was doing quick, you know, you saw my notes. I was scribbling notes, added on the buyer's premium uh, on top of the, the price I'm, I was bidding, right, as well as uh, I was trying to cash flow doing quick math on what that cash rent. Explain is. the buyer's okay. premium, like, Bob, for those that Buyer's don't. premium. So a lot of times in, on auctions, there's a buyer's premium. So if you're bidding 100 bucks an acre, just for easy math, there's a 5% buyer premium. So you're actually paying, your actual offer is $105 an acre. So uh, sometimes when you're selling a property for a seller, uh, there's a commission charge, of course, right for that. And sometimes it's X percentage to the seller and then X percent of the buyer's premium that the buyer's actually paying the commission to the on it. And so 
everyone's different. Some I've seen some that are zero, some that are two, some are five uh, percent buyer's premium. Uh, so this one had a five percent buyer's premium. So I was just doing math, you know, quickly uh, to know what I was really bidding on the property, knowing property <laughs> values, yeah, and you're doing the math. Yeah. So and so you know, I text my wife like we just bought this farm, and she said, you know, her text was back. Back, you better be joking, you know. Uh, she, she, hey, you know, truth be told, she was not. She was not very happy when I got home that night, you know, because I just spent six hundred twenty-five thousand dollars without having a conversation with her. Not something I would highly advise too many people to do. Um, but you know, the next day when we had time to actually sit down and, and talk about it, you know, I strictly told her, you know, this is an investment. I'm going to do some improvements on it, and, and we're going to turn around and sell it. And uh, it's not a long-term hold. You know, had I told you I came home and spent six hundred twenty-five thousand dollars on it in the stock market that I don't know enough about, you know, yes, we're invested in there, but I have advisors for that. <laughs> um, had I done that without talking to her, she could darn well be mad, but uh, I'm in the land business every day and understand it, right? She was more than happy when we sold it four and a half months later, uh, you know, and on, on the top of that, you know, like you said about your investments, right? Top of that, uh, you know, I hunted a few days. My, my brother-in-law and my niece hunted it a lot. My brother-in-law, you know, one of the days in November during the rest, uh, you know, his exact comments to me, I had the, this is the best day the deer was I've ever had. You know, he's seen four different chases, seen three giant bucks, never unfortunately got a shot at any of them. Uh, but, you know, that made all the, <laughs> that was worth it to me just having my brother-in-law who's hunted every day, you know, since he's been old enough, tell me it was the best day in the deer woods. And you got to do that on a piece of property I bought just for an investment. Pretty cool. Yeah. So I had, I had drone, I had flown a drone video of this property, which was a major advantage to any buyer because I did, if I do say so myself, a great job with that video, it, you could really see, and it was kind of like a slightly, I'm just going to say it was North South orientation. I don't remember if it was, but it kind of like slowly went up this Valley and kind of got more elevation. And on one side, the West side of it, there was a road that traveled up the side of the Valley that you could literally drive the length of the property and look down over your, in, on your right side, down into the valley to see it. There was corn. It was fairly flat down there. It wasn't bad tillable ground for Buffalo County. And then on the opposite side of the valley, because you basically bought the whole head of that valley, um, there was timber, and but it wasn't great timber, but there was a lot of sign in there. And I remember, I remember, us talking a little bit over time before you ever showed up there, you're like, how come this thing isn't selling? And I obviously can't say too much, but I said, well, there's just some dynamics in this valley. It's just really bad uh, mojo in this valley. I mean, up to the point where I, at one point, Bob, I don't know if I ever told you this, I was sitting there and there was an easement access that had been used by one of the neighbors for decades. And there was an arrangement to cross this creek and the culvert and, you know, he had maintained it. And then there was this old fence and he said that was his line. Well, the fence and the easement kind of crossed like an X and it kind of went on land that he said he owned. And then it crossed the crossing that he didn't own and then got back on his property that he did own. And then to get some of his fields, he had to cross the fence to get to the property he didn't own, but he farmed. And there was just this back and forth. And when it came time to sell, and we talk about motivation by sellers sometimes, all of a sudden it became a thing. This, this access route that had been used for decades became, that's mine. No, it's mine. No, it's mine. I own it. No, you don't. You lease it from me. And you know, I went to the guy at one point 
the neighbor, not my client at the time. I said, okay, I'm going to try to straighten this out, but tell me your side. Well, that's my access. That's my crossing. I said, okay, obvious question. If it's your access and your crossing, why are you paying them to use it? You're, you're paying land. You're paying for land that is yours. I don't, I don't get that. And he's like, and he kind of got upset. I said, I'm not trying to get, I'm trying to unravel this. Tell me where you're coming from. And long and short of it, we had to actually get a, uh, um, he was at, he was making a claim of adverse possession and I talked both parties and what if we get a surveyed and we work out the, the cost and to the seller, it was, you could pay this money up front to get the survey and figure out where that line actually is. And it'll cost you five grand, or you can fight this out for the next five years, not sell your property and spend $50,000 on a lawyer. So we got all that stuff worked out before you ever bought it. Right. Yeah. That none of that yeah. was there when you bought it. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was on the title work uh, at the day of auction that, you know, that the neighbor had agreed to adjust uh, the property lines, the seller to, to fix that concern. So all the risks that were existing before the auction that were making it not sell on the regular market, we got fixed as part of our auction. And I think that's a lesson. So you were able to buy this thing without ever looking at it, without the right of like a title search, right? Or Yeah, yeah the title search was done and provided at the day of auction. And it was done prior. So I think the day of auction that got, the day of auction or the day before auction, I got confirmation with the paper that he was agreeable to uh, end his claim, if you will, with an agreement of, it was, like you said, it was like basically an ex on part of this side and seller someone part of this side. And, and so they made an, they came to an agreement to solve that issue and straighten the line and quick claim deed back a little slivers to each other yeah. uh, with an easement access to the seller across this crossing I, access to the tillable field and the rest of the field over what was going to be uh, in, in giving the neighbor easement to use part of it and, as well as the same way go back and forth with the seller using part of it up to a point so, so it was, just cleaned up the cleaned up the issue yep yeah i had been you know the part of the story that a lot of people don't know i was actually sitting at that entrance and i pulled up and there had been a sign delivered and i had a guy that tried to set it up there. So I went down there just to make sure it was done right. <clears throat> and I'm sitting there in my truck. All of a sudden I see this pickup come roaring down the hill. And this guy, I didn't know who he was, jumps out. And it turned out to be the neighbor that had the beef about the access. And he comes rushing up to me. And man, he, I could tell he was mad. And i got out of my truck and I was like, okay, if I'm going to get punched, I'm going to get punched on standing on my feet. Maybe I have to block or throw one myself. And, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Back, and I'm backing up. And by this time he's coming at me, I backed up the whole length of my truck and got behind the corner of my truck. So he physically would have to come around the corner. And I thought, okay, I'm thinking like, this is like an split second decision. My own, my old Marine Corps train. If he comes around that corner, I know that it's going down. <laughs> and I put up my hands and I stepped back like one punch length. So he couldn't reach me. And I just, when I put up my fist, like, cause I thought he, I honestly thought he was going to hit me. And I think he thought he was going to hit me too. But when I put up my defensive posture and I got, I stepped away and I said, whoa, 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 back up. You know, and I kind of backed away and then he kind of came to his senses cause he, I was not going to take a punch. <laughs> And that's what happened. And I remember talking to him about, I'm like, Hey, you know, farmer Bob or whatever his name was. I said, Hey, I'm not the enemy here. Okay. 
I'm 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 the one that's getting this thing unraveled. So don't don't take this out on me. Holy cow. And I kind of diffused him. And then he at the end it, you know, he came down and I still think I turned out to be like the bad guy in that whole thing because we got back. Let's get back to you. So you bought this farm and then you started fixing it up, right? Yep. So tell us about yeah, that. Some, yeah, I just we I got my dozer guy out there right away and we got some trails put in throughout the timber so you had better access for ATV and around the, the woods for setting up stands or getting in and out of sight. Uh, cleared a food plot and then we put up a couple bank blinds uh, where I thought some travel supporters were going to be. And, and uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, the unfortunate part was you know, the timing of, of the clothing and the purchase. I wasn't able to work anything out with the current tenant as far as leaving food for a food plot. Um, but, you know, there were still uh, being stubble and stuff uh, to hunt over uh, come the gun season and stuff. So, uh, but I just really got it set up and got trail cameras out instantly as soon as we closed. I got trail cameras out there and started making inventory of, of the deer uh, that are using the property um, because I knew I wanted that uh, when I went to sell. And so that's what we did. You know, uh, I created that inventory list of bucks that have been on the property uh, throughout the, the fall as we were hunting. And, and come the spring, I turned around and, and, and listed it for sale. Wow. Four, well, four month turnaround. So, yeah, four months. Yep. Now that farm yep. since then has been sold again. Yep. Should we talk? Those folks made a really yeah. Those <laughs> folks made a pretty darn good money. Uh, I believe it's closed. Uh, they made uh, half a million dollars more yeah. than I sold it to them for. Right. Uh, in, in a in a twelve month period, um, the farm was really hard, um, in my opinion, for a hunting standpoint. Right. Um, because your access, you had to go through all the till we'll get to the woods. Um, but you know. Uh, you know, my wife and I talked. She's like, "Are you upset?" I said, I'm not upset. I said, "We we made good money and in investment in four months, and if I could do it again ten times over, I still would, and still be fine with the next guy making half a million dollars." Uh, because the market, uh, you know, uh, in the last twelve months, or from January last year to to February this year, uh, you know, went up twenty five to thirty percent. The land market did. Man, if we could have predicted the market, that, the market, yeah, the market could have done just the opposite. So. Uh, you know, bigger risk, bigger rewards kind of thing. I, I was perfectly fine to sell it for what I sold it for um, because it was four month turnaround. Um, and I had, you know, some work into it, but not terrible amount of work into it. Um, I was also okay with holding that property. Uh, it just happened that the guy came and bought it for what I wanted to sell it for. And did the guy, um, were you advertising it or just somebody come up to you? Yeah, I was advertising it personally. Okay. Uh, I did not have it listed on website or MLS or anything like that. I was just marketing, you know, personally, uh, partly because obviously I had just bought it four and a half months before or whatever. So, um, but you know, that, that had enough cash rent on it that a cash flow is fairly, fairly decent for, you know, a mixture farm in getting me a two, a little over 2% net return based on the cash rent and what I paid for it. So yeah. it wasn't going to hurt me to sell it <laughs> or hang on to it. I should say. So, what do you, what'd you give for cash uh, rent in Buffalo County in that area? About 200 an acre? Yeah, uh, I think it was one, gosh, that was a year ago. I can't hardly remember what it yeah. was last week, Neil. Just ballpark? I think it was like 180. I think it was like 180. But 180, sure. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it was decent soil, but it was sloped. I mean, and there was pockets, little fingers uh, that got a little steep uh, in some of the little fingers that went up the ridge, or up the valley, I should say. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's been sold and... <laughs> I, I personally couldn't imagine paying that kind of money for that particular farm, uh, but somebody did, <laughs> which, you know, 
syllable rent has gone up, syllable land has gone up, and so you know when you got 120 acres plus of syllables, uh, doesn't take long for that to go up in price to change the price of the property. So well, that uh, that's, what the, that's what the market's very. Yeah, that that agent that sold it and the buyer who bought it bought it can can uh, say say thank you to me for unraveling all the years of funk that were surrounding this valley. And then thanks to you for setting it up a little bit and probably making it pretty because having a couple banks blinds sitting in strategic spots with some, I'm sure you had some photos uh, of the deer that you were seeing definitely did not hurt uh, that whole process. So um, yeah. there, there's some great lessons there. So did, so on the negative side, is there, was there any, you know, pucker factor that in the retrospect that you would tell a buyer that maybe wants to go to their first auction, like, okay, watch out for this or make sure you do this or, you know, anything like that? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess, um, I would never tell someone to go to an auction and buy it sight unseen, right? Unless you're in the land business and understand it, right? Uh, those easements, there was two easements to the property. One, uh, one that we straightened up with the neighbor or you guys did, I should say, but I think we, you guys straightened up prior to the auction. You know, it wasn't, it was it's fine, right? I do all these this every day. So to me, they don't bother me a whole lot as long as they're deed and recorded and you know, they're understood. Um, and the other easement, so it was 33 foot wide, uh, went through what the seller had already sold off, which was a, a building site, a house, farmhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it went through their front of their driveway, if you will, out in front of the house in between a barn, between, you know, next to their barn and into the field. Uh, Obviously, not being bare and putting my boots on the ground, which I had the opportunity to do had I actually been shopping for the property, right? You guys had an open house, you could have gone out there and seen it. Uh, though it was a 33 foot wide easement, uh, recorded easement, the actual width of, to actually get through next to the barn was more, more like 15 feet uh, because it was steep hillside to the left side of the barn. So, you couldn't get a combine and a combine not drivable that opening. So uh, had I known that, that probably would have changed my factor a little bit personally, uh, because I, you know, uh, as a land guy, uh, I was looking at, well, how do I, I can split this farm even if I wanted to. Well, realistically, uh, I couldn't split it as like, the way I'd like to have done uh, to sell it because I probably would have got more money for it, no doubt, had I been able to make sure a farmer could buy most of the tillable, uh, but the access through that would have had to come through the other easement because the farmer could not get, you know, his actual equipment through that other easement uh, without taking a, you know, combine head off because it's too too tight. So had you been uh, able to hillside, do that? That hillside, yeah, that hillside was probably 35 feet up. I mean, right. It was, it was steep. It was a bank. So, I mean, technically by the rule of the easement, yes, could have had a cat in there and try to doze all that out and tear it all up, but it'd have been a, a best and a heck of an expense to try to do. Uh, so um, that would be something obviously that I would obviously recommend. Go so if you're going to go to an auction versus any property, really, uh, you you best uh, really go see it. And obviously, I never had that conversation with you because I had really had no plans of bidding. I had I no idea who was buying that. Right. <laughs> I, I personally had no 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 plans of buying it, or yeah. I would have asked a few more questions uh, at the time. But you know, uh, it turned out just fine. So, it, but uh, if it's your first land deal, I would highly suggest doing a lot more homework than that. 
right? Or have a big pair between your legs and just go for it. <laughs> that's a, well, that's a, <laughs> and, and, uh, maybe have uh, a lawyer lined up cause your wife just about divorced you. No, no, just joking. <laughs> so, well, Hey man, that is a, that's a great story. And, um, I, I was taking notes here. There's a number of things that I got to call you back and we got to have you back on here because you said some great things, but we were over an hour and I'm going to, for sake of your time, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. But, um, Bob, if anybody wanted to, um, get a hold of you, do you want to throw out your numbers? Yeah. Are you open to that? Oh yeah. That's fine. Yep, yep. So how would they get hold of you if somebody wants Bob Stahlberger to help them and what area are you in in Minnesota? I'm in Southeast Minnesota. So I cover Dakota County to the Iowa border, Wisconsin to Wichita. So, 13 counties in the southeast corner of the state. Just follow the Mississippi River from Rochester going south, basically. Yep, yep. So uh, you can call me, 507-884-4717. Otherwise, on the website or email bob.stallberger at whitefieldproperties.com. Awesome. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for having me. Get out there and get it done, and uh, let's see if we can find you another property. I'll tip you off if I see something good out there. Sounds good. Appreciate All right, man. Thanks. All right. Thanks. All right. Well, man, am I glad I brought him on so many things that we can learn from Bob and we're going to have to bring him back. Uh, you know, buying land from auctions can be, uh, can be, you know, a little scary for the first timer, but I was kind of interested to hear that story about Bob, how he sat there and next thing you know, he's bidden because I actually thought he was buying for somebody else. I didn't realize he was buying uh, for himself, but it turned out well. And as he said, since then, that uh, farm is resold and the next guy made even more money on it. So auctions, definitely different. And buying out of state, that can also be difficult, uh, just knowing the market. But uh, as you heard from Bob, you know, you might have picked up some tips and tricks on how you can do that and make a profit. So I really want to thank Bob for coming on. And hey, guys, if you're interested in buying your own piece of American land, then I want you to give me a call because I want to be your guy in the land business. I cover the area of what Northwest Wisconsin, basically along the St. Croix River Valley, where I border Minnesota. I'm on the Wisconsin side down to through the Mississippi River Valley, all the way down to Buffalo uh, and down to Tremplo. So I'm covering the counties of Polk, Dunn, St. Croix. Pierce, Pepin, Buffalo, and Tremplo. And I'd like to be your guy in the land business. Give me a call. And if I can't help you out in my area, maybe you're looking for something uh, in another area, or perhaps you're listing a property and you want guys that know what they're doing, then I want to be your guy as well. I'll hook you up with the right people. Consider me a source and uh, we will we'll get you hooked up to the right folks. Folks, uh, I'm going to sign off. I'm Neil Hogger and I'm a land specialist with Whitetail Properties Real Estate. Thank you for joining in. You've been listening to the American Landman Podcast.